Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast episode 77, Second Half FC. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. No Jack this week is busy playing football today, but I'm joined by the returning Jam at Carefree Jam. Jam, my man, how are we doing, sir? Yes, Nick, sir. I'm all good, man. Absolutely buzzing with that result. Um, oh, I know it's just Burnley, but it's beyond my wildest dreams. Us actually scoring four goals. What is this? <laughs> um, but yeah, buzzing, mate. Saturday night, can't complain. What about you? How are you? No, exactly. All good, exactly. Four goals. Four goals. I mean, when was the last time we scored more than one or two in a game? I don't know. So, no, it's very nice to see us score four against Burnley. That is just, you know, one of many topics we'll be getting into because, you know, it's just been another, just another normal week at Chelsea Football Club. Nothing, nothing really to see and nothing to, nothing really surprising. You know, you know, we only lost, you know, last week was losing the Carabao Cup final, you know, with Kepa missing a penalty. You know, that seems, you know, pretty normal compared to what's been going on this week. So, yeah, there will be a lot to discuss but as I always do with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug and tell people where they can find them on Twitter, all their work, etc. So, Jam, why don't you tell people where they can follow you on Twitter and all your work for the Chelsea Social? Yes, mate. Um, so I'm on the handle at carefree underscore jam. Uh, that's on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Um, but I'm also a co-owner of the Chelsea Social um, and the CFCW Social for the women's team. So that's at the Chels Social on Twitter uh, and Instagram and at the CFCW Social on Twitter and Instagram too. Yeah, make sure you check out Jam and make sure you check out all the brilliant work the Chelsea Social do, one of the best Chelsea fan pages out there. Right, Jam, um, you know, there's two games of football, you know, that went on this week. But also, that also, you know, feels a bit, you know, smaller, smaller in comparison to... to one news that is that Chelsea are up for sale. You know, Roman Abramovich has put us up for sale, and we're not going to get into the reasons why 
we are up for sale. People can, you know, kind of look that up and kind of see just, you know, what's going on in the world right now, etc. But Jam, you're just kind of thoughts of that, that, you know, the Roman era is, you know, coming to an end. Just your thoughts and just like how you're feeling right now about all that. Oh, yeah. I mean, this day was always coming, wasn't it? But just this has come a lot sooner than anyone would have thought. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great shame that that's the case. But, um, you know, all good things do come to an end. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have started supporting Chelsea before the Roman era. Um, I think my first memory was probably the 98-99 season. Um, and then that's when I kind of started following. So I think for me... I can see that there, and for, for quite a few, I can see that there was a Chelsea before and that there will be a Chelsea after. I know for a lot of people that may have started supporting Chelsea during the Roman era, it's quite tough to take because they don't really know Chelsea without him. And I get it. Um, but it hurts because the guy's done an awful lot for us. He really has. Um, we were in dire needs when he, when he took us over um, and he, he fell in love with the club. He fell in love with the club, became a fan and you know, having an owner that really does care about the club so much is is literally so rare. Like you look at every other team that struggled, um, it's with with their owners not really giving a well, let's not swear, but not not really caring about their teams and you know just kind of there to make money, there for the clubs to be a cash cow. That's not the case with Chelsea. You know, he's really really looked after us, and we've had so much success under him. So we're I think, ironically, I say that we're forever in his debt. Um, I say that ironically because obviously he's um, he said that we don't need to pay back the the debt that we owe to him, you know, the loan. So that's just absolutely amazing. It means that we can really just carry on in the next sort of uh, chapter of the club's history. Um, and I think, you know, he's always going to be a fan of the club. I think he's always going to be paying attention to results. He does want to get that one last time to go to Stamford Bridge. I think it's highly unlikely, sadly, but, you know, one day he can come back and you'd be greeted as a hero, um, you know, in terms of what he's done for our club. And it hurts, man. It really does. I, I've had I've had some time to get over it. To be honest with you, I kind of realised that something was up. I, a lot of us didn't want to believe it, but as soon as he passed over the stewardship of the club, um, I knew that this was the beginning of something happening here. Um, and obviously, if you pay attention to the other stuff that's happening, it's only escalating. So things are always going to get to this point. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of scary, but not all change is bad. You know, you can have good change. It, it could be managed well. It can still bring about positives. So I am staying optimistic on this. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are quite upset by it, and I get it, but I'm staying optimistic. He's done... He's done a lot, you know, big thank you to Roman. Um, but, you know, this this is what it is now. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the to what the future may bring and hopefully to a smooth transition. Yeah, that <laughs> is, yeah, know. exactly. That's what we that's what we have to hope for. But no, exactly. The Roman era, you know, we don't know when it will end, but we know it is coming to an end. And 21 trophies, for certainly for men's team in 19 years, is, is pretty damn Impressive and yeah, Roman changed the face of English football. He, you know, ended that Arsenal Man United dominance, you know, and Chelsea, you know, took over, won two European Cups. He gave us, many of us fans, the best memories, most best days of our lives. So, you know, all we can say is is thank you to Roman. Yeah, I think, you know, there's understandably gonna be some, you know, nerves, just caution around what happened because with Roman, we've gone from, you know, being relatively safe and in a comfort zone, if you will. And we do not know what the future holds. And that, that is scary. But at the same time, it's also something that's completely out of our control. 
something we have absolutely no say over. So we've just got to basically just see what happens and just, you know, trust that he has got our best interests at heart. And he said, you know, he wants to, so he will only sell someone who's got the best interests. Uh, so we've just got, you know, hope that, that he, that he's, you know, he stays true to his word, etc. But no, we've just got to say thank you to, to Roman and have seen that, you know, Club World Cup final now a few weeks ago just seems, you know, even more kind of more special now that that, you know, Roman won it all with us. He won every single thing there was to when he came, he saw, he conquered, if you will. And that that's uh, really, really special. But Jam, you know... Just, sorry, Nick, yeah. just really sorry to interrupt you there. Just to add to that as well, I forgot to say, you know, look at our academy, look at yeah. Cobham um, and also look at the women's team. But if, you know, if you really want to see an owner that cares... Compare them to what the Liverpool owners are doing with the Liverpool women's team, the Man United women's team. You know, they they get cast aside, but Romans made it one club. He cares. They're they're all integrated. You know, do you know what I mean? So um, respect to that as well. But like he's made a fantastic institution here, or helped build that. So yeah, just wanted to add that in as well. Yeah, no, that is completely completely obviously. You know, obviously moving to Commons, moving training ground from Harlington to Cobham as well, and obviously all the brilliant work he's done for the youth team and seeing now the you know all those youth players in it in our first team, but we'll again get on to talking about later on in this pod. Exactly. No, it's again, just thank you to Roman. Uh, as I said, in amongst us, we had to play a game on Wizard and it felt weird. It kind of felt uh, to me, it was kind of almost, you know, a bit like when we played Brighton last year, after we just left the Super League, the game kind of felt to me like it was the second, it was a secondary thing. I didn't, I, I struggled to really, you know, get too infused for that game. It was kind of just a, just a weird one, kind of just in a, a weird emotional state, if you will. But Jam, you know, credit to the boys after the disappointment of Sunday, they bounced back and, and the road to Wembley, you know, in the FA Cup is firmly on again. Got past Luton, now an exciting, tough, but exciting quarterfinal draw away at Middlesbrough awaits. But just your kind of thoughts on, on that Luton game? Yeah, I knew it was going to be a problem from the start, man. Um, I remember tweeting during the day thinking, uh, uh, not, not to do with the Roman news, but just independent of that, that Luton in that ground, under the lights, in the FA Cup, is going to be a problem if we don't turn up. You know what? They're, they're on good form. They're doing well. They're in the playoff positions in the championship. Not easy. We've seen Premier League teams going out to championship teams this year for fun. I just knew if we weren't at it, it was going to be a long, long night. And that's exactly what happened in the first half. Um, add to that, though. Add to that now, the Roman news. That's so distracting. I know they're professionals. I know... They're, they're, they're told to, to get on with it and that they can. You know, Chelsea has so many ups and downs. Um, you know, they're used to the chaos to some extent, but this is massive. This is huge. And I think maybe that could have had a part to play as to why we we seemed a bit frozen on the pitch. I think Luton did really well at the start. You know, they really took it to us when they could. They were direct. Um, and we struggled with that. We've made a few mistakes and they capitalised. Um I thought when that second goal went in, it was going to be a long night. I really didn't really see us coming back then because we didn't deserve it other than maybe 15 minutes of showing them that we are a Premier League team um, with our possession um, that, that, that we kept. But yeah, going into second half, credit to Lukaku, credit to Werner. They, they dragged us over the line and we did enough in the end. It was a tough game. It's a knockout match. So all that matters is that you win. All that matters is that you go through. You don't really need to overanalyze performances when it comes to cups, um, unless it's part of a string of bad performances, which you could argue it may be to an extent. But I was, in the end, I was happy with it. I just wanted to get through because it, it literally felt like everyone that wasn't Chelsea was saying that it was Luton versus Russia, and everyone that was Chelsea, it was Chelsea versus the world. 
<laughs> and I just, I, I was just saying it was going to be a long few weeks if we lost that game. So the usual banter that you get for losing a game, that's long. But on top of that, the media were going to absolutely cook us. You know it. They were going to go to town with that and say, oh, yeah, Roman put the club for sale. Now they're out of the cup. What? What? They're only in the Champions League and the Premier League. They can't even win the league. You, it just would have been so much negativity. And I know Chelsea's used to that. I know some some of us think there's a, a, an agenda with the media against Chelsea, but we didn't need that. You just don't need that extra nonsense, do you? So it was good we got that win. I was happy with it in the end. Wasn't happy during the game. Um, and I, I remember I missed the last 10 minutes because I had to go to football training. And I was fuming around the 60th minute. I was like, "These, I can't go to football training knowing that we're losing this game. <laughs> so when the two goals went in, I was happy. I, I left and, I, you know, I checked the scores when I was there anyway. But yeah, happy with it in the end. What can yeah. I say, man? No, exactly, exactly. You'd kind of think Chelsea had sort of invaded Russia and Ukraine, but way that Chelsea have been sort of dragged through the mud recent weeks. And obviously that's not to make light of a, you know, a really serious matter, but, it, you know, the kind of the BBC match of the day coverage was nothing short of a joke, to be honest, on, on Wednesday night. It was really, really incredibly frustrating uh, to listen to and also just, you know, blatant you know, hypocrisy coming from, from a Newcastle United and a Manchester City uh, former player and fans. So, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, look, Chelsea... It wasn't pretty, but but they won. And look, credit, Sal, Sal had a good game, Jam. Got his first Chelsea goal. It was just nice, you know, again, realistically, this is probably his only season with us, but it's kind of nice he's, you know, coming in and playing a part. And again, we'll get on to his performance against Burnley a bit later. Uh, Timo, you know, for, for Timo Werner is probably one of the most confusing football players to watch because I was watching that game. And I'm like, honestly, I want to just go, like, this guy, like, He's obviously a good footballer because he's, you know, playing at a top level. But he's, but you kind of wondered, like, is this guy serious? Like, how is he? But he, but he walks away from that game with a goal and the winning assist for, for Romelu Lukaku. And obviously there's Rom, you know, with a, with an important, you know, winner there to, to send us through. And again, he's sort of, you know, recent-ish performances from him, you know, kind of been showing and encouraging. So it was just a really weird evening. But as I said, it was just nice to, to get through and say Middlesbrough away to the next round. And Jam, just quick thoughts, you know, Middlesbrough have knocked out Manchester United. They've knocked out Tottenham. So it's not, you know, an easy tie. But at the same time, given who's left in the competition, we've avoided City, we've avoided Liverpool. You know, you'd have to say that you'd like to think that, that you know, Chelsea have got a really strong chance of getting to the semi-finals at Wembley again this year. Oh, yeah, I celebrated when that draw came out. Not because of Middlesbrough necessarily, but because if you watch the draw, we were left in the hat with Middlesbrough, Southampton and Man City. So there's me thinking... Brilliant. We're going to get Man City away, aren't we? Another trip to the Etihad. We just don't need that. So, look, I mean, Middlesbrough, tough game. Tough game. It's going to be as tough as Luton. That's how I see it. Um, I think they're on much, much better form, though. I think they've won, like, nine games in a row at home or something like that. It's ridiculous. Um, Or or just nine games in a row. Um, So, yeah, not going to be easy by any means. They've got some good players. I watched their games against Tottenham and Man United. They're all right. They're a decent team. They're solid um, and can damage you in the attack. So we need to be careful. But I'd imagine we'll play a stronger team than the one we did against Luton anyway. And not that that was necessarily a weakened team, but it was, it was changed. So I, I, I feel like we'll go quite strong in that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I see us going through, but it, it won't be easy. It'll be a bit like the Luton game, in my opinion. Yeah, obviously that comes after the second leg away at Lille, but at the same time, say, you know, we were without, you know, we kind of had a, you know, a bit of a hangover, I guess, from, from you know, the exploits of Sunday against Liverpool 
Mikabo Cup and I said Aspi wasn't fit, etc. You know, Alonso needed a break. I think, you know, we will probably see, you know, as said, Jam said, a, a stronger side against Middlesbrough. But yeah, it was, you know, that was, I guess, a good way, you know, to bounce back uh, from my game. And then Jam Burnley, if ever was a phrase, a tale of two halves, that game was it. Because that first half, I thought, geez, I'm watching the same Chelsea in the Premier League that I've watched for feels like the last couple of months, you know, recently watching us. It was, we were slow. We were lethargic. We were frankly really boring to watch. Uh, we struggled to really create anything. Um, and we also, you know, rode our luck a little bit. Mendy, you know, fluffed a punch that Dwight McNeil inexcusably then just blazed over bar and Thiago Silva had to clear off, off the line for us. But as bad as that first half was, that second half was brilliant. And I think we've kind of got to put that down to the person who kind of got us going and really changed the way of that game, Reese James. His first Premier League start, you know, forever uh, since coming back from injury. And, you know, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, he was absolutely superb. Absolutely superb throughout the game. Um, both ends of the pitch as well. And in this formation, it just shows how important it is to have a dynamic wing-back that is actually an all-rounder. You know, got got pace, got strength, can defend, can attack, can shoot, can cross... Do you know what I mean? He, he's brilliant, even in the air as well. He's absolutely superb. Um, and he just bodies people for fun. So he's just a complete package. Honestly, I I just, I, I really hope he has an injury-free run now for the rest of the season. He's so important to our team. It's unreal. We saw it today. This is a tricky game. You know, Burnley took points off Man United. They beat Tottenham. You know, it's, it's not easy. And you can see by that first half, I was fuming. I was fuming at that first half. Not only was it boring, but they were the better team in terms of chances anyway. And we rode our luck. The, the very good thing about us today is that when, when we weren't that great, we weren't losing. It's, that's very important because as soon as you go 1-0 down to Burnley, whoo, yeah, long day, long day. So, yeah, um, it was good because the second half, we just, you know, Tuchel's giving them a rocket at halftime and they've come out and just gone pretty direct where they could you know the, the the players you want going direct when direct you know Pulisic was was running at people for fun opening up space um and getting his head up occasionally <laughs> which is better than usual <laughs> uh, no but he, he played he played really really well Kai Havertz getting involved more um and Mace kind of dropped back a little bit um which which effectively gave Reese a bit more space out wide so I think that was quite important as well because Mace, really, whilst he hasn't necessarily been on form lately, um, he's not an attacker. Like He's done well there. He got player of the year there. But that's not really him. He's more of a midfielder. That's what he wants. He can affect the game from, from deep. And I think he got involved a little bit more, even though I think he had a bit of a quiet game. But that structural change really, really helped. And Reese, I'm sorry, but he he... And Ben Chilwell, they're probably our best finishers at the club. It's crazy. Um, great finish. Cracking finish. Um, and that's just what you need. You need those moments of quality to unlock teams that, that play like Burnley did. And as soon as they went behind, they just got absolutely walloped. Overwhelmed, man. It was brilliant. Really good to see us, you know, free-flowing in attack, ruthless. We could have even had more goals, let's be honest. But good performance. Reese James, easily man of match for me. I say easily. Kai Havertz got two goals and they were great goals as well. <laughs> so, you know, that's what you need from your striker. Sometimes, you know, the second one looked easy because Pulisic put it in the plate for him. But actually, how many times have we seen those go by? You want your striker there 
getting those tap-ins, stat padding, whatever you call it, like just getting those easy goals. It's fine by me. And um, of course, the header was brilliant as well. So big up all of them. But I say Reese James man of the match, to be honest. Yeah, Reese James is game by numbers. We burn 100% tackles, 100% long balls completed, 87% pass accuracy, 76 touches, 15 final third passes completed, six out of eight duels won, five ball recoveries, two fouls drawn, two shots, one chance created, one goal, one assist. Back with a bang. And with that, Reese James has now scored more goals than any defender in the Premier League this season. And he's also the only defender in Europe's top five leagues to, to have five plus goals and five plus assists in the league this season. When you bear in mind how long he was out injured for, and it kind of that reflects on non-penalty goal contributions per 90. This is a minimum 10-90. I think this is Premier League. Reese James only behind Mo Salah. Reese James 0.84 non-penalty goal contributions per 90. So it just shows the form he's been in. And obviously, you know, Reese got it rolling. As you jam, you mentioned to Kai Havertz, because as I say, Kai Havertz's quick fire brace meant Chelsea became the first team to score three goals in the first 10 minutes of the second half in a Premier League game since Manchester City against Newcastle in October 2015. Um, jam, we say Kai Havertz, who's been a player who has, you know, shown for Chelsea he's a man for the big occasion. We saw him, he's got, obviously got a winner in Champions League final for us, got a winner in the Club World Cup. He was very good last week against Liverpool. One of the, you know, main things mentioned with Kai is, you know, his lack of league performances, lack of league goals. Say his goals today were his first, was his first since the Burnley home game at Bridge back in, back in November. So it had been a while for him, but, you know, Kai Havertz, it seems like a common theme with him, but he's sort of a second half of the season player, but we've now got to hope really that, he kicks on now from this because said he was he was excellent today. You saw mentioned, you know the you know the um, goal, brilliant ball from from Pulisic, yeah, to for him to to head home and then obviously he gets on the end of, of Reese's Reese's sister to, to tap home on the line and say that's you know one that's kind of a goal, that second goal anyways, the type of goal we want you know our our players you know our attackers to be scoring just you know round poaching sort of in the round in the box. Just a little simple tap in, uh, but just generally like quick thoughts on, on Kai's performance today because that was you know probably one of the best we've performances we've seen from him in the league for a bit. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. He's um, he just wants the ball. <laughs> I love it. He just wants the ball. He's just hungry to have it. And just I think one thing I'd criticise him with, not necessarily today, is that I, I just feel like sometimes he could be a bit more ruthless with the ball, like a little bit more selfish almost. Because I think he's got the ability to take people on and just cause nonsense a bit like Salah does I think Kai could do that a little bit more but he, he was doing it in the second half he was getting involved so much and you know the, the most important thing about playing in that position and the biggest question mark for me with him was is he hungry enough because he likes to get involved he doesn't really make those runs into the box as much as I would like to sometimes in the past today he was doing it he made sure he was that striker in the box and I, I thought it was brilliant I thought it was absolutely brilliant Obviously, two goals, you'd say that, but I think his general all-round play beyond that was 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 superb. You know, he's um, keeping Lukaku out of the team, rightly so. It's a long day for Lukaku at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No player scored more goals for Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel than Kai Havertz, who's got 13. Obviously, I know that stat itself isn't 13 goals, isn't exactly that amazing, considering Tuchel's been here sort of just, you know, over a year now, probably about close to, you know, nearly 14 months, etc. And that stat, I feel, probably changes almost weekly. But in general, it was nice to see, you know, Kai and it's, I guess, an indicator of his quality and say it was it was really nice. Uh, and Jam, I guess, the person who ran up the scoring, who, again, you know, grew into that game, I felt, as the game went on, was Christian Pulisic. There was still, you know, at points, frustration with him, seeing similar old things, holding the ball too long, not getting his head up. Uh, but for one time, he sort of does get his head up. I said he, he plays that brilliant cross to, to Kai to head home for 2-0 to give us, you know, some some breathing space. 
then obviously you know just is alert in the box to to get on hand of a, a poor touch from Tarkovsky or whatever and he's able to to slam home past Pope to to wrap the game up for 4-0 and I guess with Pulisic again we're starting to see hopefully anyway some encouraging performances because he you know had an encouraging performance in the Club World Cup final off the bench had a really good game against Lille in the Champions League League Cup final he was a bit hit and miss uh, but then again today he's sort of back you know on that score sheet and again a, another goal for him I just guess maybe you know hopefully encourage signs that maybe he and maybe other attackers are starting to maybe click in this Chelsea side going forward. Yeah, you just need to, in that position. Okay, you could say this for any position, but in that position, you need to be effective. In this formation, you need to be effective. And he was trying to be effective in the wrong ways previously when he hasn't been too on form. But I think today, in the second half especially, he got it right. So yeah, in the first half, there are a few times. Um, I may be in the second half a few times where he didn't get his head up and his decision-making was poor. But I can take that with a winger as long as you do have some sort of end product. And today he had it. You know, he, he like you said, he picked his head up at the right time, made a brilliant cross to um, to Kai. Um, and just generally, he was linking up a lot better. I feel like rather than always trying to take on the world, he can use his teammates and get one-twos and make those runs into the box that we saw him do when he was... Um, when it was Project Restart. Um, that's what we need him to be doing. Today is just the bar. He said it now. It's the benchmark. This is what we need to see from this guy. This is what the what the guy that we bought. You know, this is the talent that we bought. This is the guy. Um, so hopefully we, he can stay consistent, not pick up any silly knocks or get any illnesses and break up this run because I want to see him in the team week in, week out, where possible. And just for him to build his confidence up and keep going on this rich vein of form. Because it's brilliant. We need him running at defenders, putting them on their asses. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Staying alert in the box. This is him. He, he, if, if anything, out of everyone in our team, he's probably like the foxiest player in the box, if you know what I mean. But when it comes to being alert for stuff like that, and those tap-ins, he always makes the runs in there. So, you know, big up, big up Christian Pulisic. Because I... I I've been a big critic of him recently, but it comes from a place of love. I don't hate the guy. I really like him. Um, but he, he, when he's not on it, he's very frustrating. So today is very encouraging. A few of his performances of late have been very encouraging. And uh, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, Jam, I guess one, you know, folks, you know, briefly, Thiago Silva, I feel like I've just said this every copy and paste what I said previously, immense, brilliant. How is he 37 years old? Just a rock at the back. Um, but one person I want to, you know, sing our praise, Saul at left wing back. You know, obviously, no Alonso, he had, unfortunately, you know, has COVID. Uh, and Tuchel decided to play Sal there instead of Malang Saab. See, I guess maybe, you know, affected by Malang Saab's shaky performance at Luton in midweek. But Sal off the back of that, you know, good performance in midfield against um, against Luton. Then, you know, putting a strong showing again, you know, at left wing back against Burnley. Okay, maybe one time, you know, his lack of pace and sort of maybe was, he was quite, I think one time maybe Lennon got past him but in general like he was just really solid on that on that left hand side wasn't he yeah yeah he was good very good game from him um composed he's really caught up with the speed of the Premier League now isn't he that that was his big 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 problem when he joined you know when he when he got thrown into that game I can't remember against who um but yeah he, he, he you know he, it's taken him a while to get here but he showed some really promising signs against Luton he was one of our better players not just because of the goal, but, you know, physically imposing. He, he got the ball in the game and he, he spread the play very well. Now he had to change position off the back of a good performance and he took that on. You know, 
he got involved well. He's he linked up very well, put in a few good crosses, and I think defensively was sound enough apart apart from that one occasion. Um, so if if he's this versatile, then we have a good you know we have a use for him this season, a lot more of a use for him this season. You know, sometimes I hate to say it like this, but players get a little bit of luck in the sense of other players that they're in competition with, you know, getting injured or getting an illness or something like that. That gives them a chance to show what they're worth and get some game time and keep their spot in the team, you know. So let's see what he does. I didn't really mind him out there today at all. I, I was actually quite happy. If anything, I kind of thought if he could play like this, I I prefer him to Alonso. I, I, I'll say that now. If, if he can keep this level of performance, that is. Yeah, no, of course, that was a really good showing from Sal. And as I said, as well, Chelsea winning 4-0. Man, it was the first time Chelsea won three league games in a row since October. So again, if you want to see just how frustrating it's sort of been, you know, Chelsea have struggled for consistency in recent recent months. It's It just shows, you know, how much, you know, how big today was. And again, Jam, I guess, you know, we don't want to... It's a shame we're sort of talking about this, given, you know, the promise the early season show, but... Again, there was a danger, and I guess there still is to, to some extent of Chelsea being involved or sort of dragged into a top four race. But with you know winning three games in a row, you know as we have done, we kind of you know put a bit of distance between ourselves and the chasing pack, which again has been quite nice because I guess it just allows us. Hopefully, with the fixtures we've got coming up, we can also pick up points as well. But it just allows us to you know focus also on you know the two big competitions that we've got left to win, but present a real chance of winning in the FA Cup and the Champions League. But further. You know, unlike last year, it kind of felt like we were in the top four scrap right to the very end. And, it, you know, it, it was stressful, but hopefully we can just hope, you know, be in a position now where Premier League, we can get all that all but sewed up, you know, for top four. So we're playing Champions League football next season. Then just really focus, you know, the end of the season, focus on, on winning that FA Cup and Champions League. Yeah, I agree. That's the plan, mate. That, that's the plan. I mean, if you look at our next games, we've got Norwich away, Newcastle at home. Um, this is just league games. Brentford at home, okay, Southampton away, Leeds away. Southampton's a tricky game, but we really should be winning all of those. We we should. And if we were to win all of those, I think that really, in effect, just makes it a formality for us to get top four. I don't see Arsenal, I think they've got a few tricky games coming up. They're the worry. Man United, Tottenham, West Ham, Wolves. See you later. Sorry, I'm, I'm not interested in them. No chance will they come back. Man United have got a run from hell coming up. So it's all about Arsenal and they've done really well to keep up so far. So, yeah, it's it's about these next five league games. If we can get five wins, and it sounds like a big ask considering what you just said about this being uh, the first time we won three in a row since October. I think we've had a few tricky games there and unfortunate circumstances. But now there's no excuses. We need to go and beat these teams. A few of them are on form. Cool. But we just have to win. We win these games. You may even find if we win these games, we could put a little bit of pressure on the two above us. Even though I think that's a that's that's a, a distant dream. You never know. They play each other in that time, I think, as well. If they were to draw and drop points elsewhere, put your pressure on, isn't it? That's all you can do. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So those fixtures you mentioned there. Chelsea with 53 points currently in, you know. Last season, 67 points was enough to get top four. And I said, if you if we get the points from those running games, then we would, you know, surpass that total. And I think it's just the main thing for Chelsea is building on last year, you know, building on, you know, just progressing and hopefully not ensuring that there's too big of a gap uh, to to the front two. But no, that was nice. So literally the only only slight downside from today, just in general, and it's just a small thing that's, you know, picked up early, you know, pre-game was the moment of solidarity 
uh, for Ukraine was, you know, the singing of Roman Abramovich's name during that moment uh, from the away end. And look, I will be, you know, I'm always one to sort of defend the away end because they are brilliant. They are brilliant sports. But I think, unfortunately, today that was just a, a moment, you know, just, you know, kind of read the room type thing. Just unfortunately, that was, you know, a slight disappointment because I said, you know, there'll be, there were plenty of other opportunities to sing Roman's name. The game, his name was sung throughout the game as well. And in that moment, it was, you know, just not the time to, to unfortunately, um, you know, to do that there. Um, but we're going to just move on to listener questions now to just sort of wrap up the episode. Um, Daniel asks, sum up the impact of Reese James today in one word. Oh, tank. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I can't say, I want to say Rolls Royce, but I think that's two, unless I, unless there's a, a abbreviation, like a little hyphen in between the two. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, he was, uh, t- tank is a pretty good one uh, to describe Rhys James. Yeah, he said, as we discussed earlier, he was absolutely immense. Immense is a word I'll say to describe Rhys James today in one word, immense. Uh, Dan, second question, what do you want to see from any new owner slash ownership group? Because Jan, this is, again, this is, this is a tricky one, but I guess ultimately, you know, you only have to sort of look at, what United have got in the Glaciers, what Arsenal have got in Kroenke, what Spurs fans feel they've got in Levy, um, what, although it's maybe not showing them due to the brilliance of Klopp, that Liverpool fans aren't entirely satisfied with FSG and think there is maybe a bit of a worry about what happens to them when Klopp goes uh, type thing. Uh, what, what, what do you want to see from any sort of new owner ownership group? And is it just simply just ambition and a, a desire desire to win? Yeah, ambition is a really good word. Ambition, uh, care, care as well. Um, you know, not seeing us for just being a cash cow. Forgive my naivety, but I believe as we're debt free now, that kind of does make us look like a lucrative option. And that's in that sense. Um, maybe I'm not. I'm not right there, but I just feel like someone could come in and see us as a, a brilliant elite team in West London and see the potential to to milk us. So. It's it's all about keeping up the levels of success and performance and uh, input is the word that that um, that we've had under Roman. Input is the is the word. You know, uh, keep the keep the, um, the the care up for the youth team, the, the academy. You know, the the um, women's team as well. It's all got to remain as it is, minimum. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they were somehow a fan of the team or something like that but you, you know I'm asking for a bit too much there I think um but yeah I mean what one thing I would say on that is that you know again forgive my naivety here but a consortium worries me because I feel like I would prefer to have one person making the decision and I feel like if you've got just one person that does care like Roman did it, things will move quicker than if you have a consortium I just feel like there's more chance for a bit of a clash I'm just saying that. I'm just thinking out loud. So I'd prefer the one person, but if that's unrealistic, then so be it. Yeah. And just what I would say from an, any new owner ownership group, uh, the brilliant Adam Newsom kind of just wrote an open letter, which you can find on Football London. I'll probably leave a link to it in, in the pod description. Uh, but he just basically wrote an open letter, you know, to who the new ownership, whoever, just saying what they'd like to see, what he'd like to see, what, you know, just what it, the club means, etc. And I think Adam's, you know, spoke very well and summed up a lot of fan, fan feeling there. So, yeah, I say ambition for me is is the main a desire and, and care ultimately because this isn't as I said we we know like it's football and it is a business at the end of the day. But Roman was you know Chelsea was Roman's you know like his little baby if you will as like his his love his passion project. So if we could find someone who feels you know we know it's probably not going to find someone who feels the exact same way 
but someone who you know has a who wants to win ultimately because this football club whatever is built on winning now that is the dna of this football club and to not carry that on would, would kind of be sacrilege really um next question comes in from Shyam with Havertz being the leading goal scorer for Chelsea under TT now do you think it's time we prioritize him as our lead number nine because Jam this is a tricky one because it's a it's it's a it's a difficult situation we find ourselves in where we have just spent 97.5 million pounds on another number nine who was meant to be the solution or whatever and to be fair to Ron whatever people's feelings on I do think in recent you know he's kind of shown that he could be He's shown signs that he could also be that man because he say got a goal midweek. He was very good in that Carabao Cup final and was very, very unfortunate to have a goal disallowed for offside, especially when you see the goal that Mane was was given for, for Liverpool against West Ham. It's um it's a difficult situation because you know there is also, I guess this kind of leads into a wider debate as well. Given the recent form of, of Mason Mount, you know, and with with Callum Hudson Doy, you know, he, he missed out days. You've been you know playing through pain barrier with, with an Achilles injury. Uh, Hakim Ziyech not not quite fully fit. Is this maybe the chance to to maybe go Kai push Kai out? Do we maybe push Kai out wide going forward and bring Rom in, or it because it, it's a tough one? Because again, you, we look at do you want to disrupt Kai and what he's been what he's been delivering from from that you know full nine position? Yeah, I think it, we should keep it as it is. It's working. There's no need to change it. Like when Kai plays, there's an element of fluidity that we don't get with Lukaku playing. Lukaku needs he's got a lot of work to do. And I think also us as a team have work to do when he's on the pitch. That's still being figured out. I don't think we can afford to keep figuring that out, if that makes sense. Now, you could also argue that we've got um, a run of games coming up where he could play and we'll probably still win. You could argue that. But I think we need to be careful with that. We, we do need some sort of uh, stability there. And we do need some sort of, uh, you know, we need to build up the chemistry. We need to understand how Kai plays. And I think we, are, we have a much better understanding of how Kai plays. And it suits our, our players a lot more when he plays up front. So we need that to, to remain in place, I think. Um, when Lukaku plays, I'm, I'm just, even though he has been much better of late, uh, I just feel like where things get forced because he's on the pitch. Um, and I don't think we have the right players to suit that right now. It just doesn't work. Now, that's not really his fault entirely, but, you know, maybe this is something that's still a work in progress and, you know, getting the odd game here and there in this run coming up, great. But uh, the main man is Kai Havertz for now, and it's up to Lukaku to, to knock him off that. Yep, no, fair enough. Kai's certainly shown he, he's worth it. I think that's four, he's four goals in his last five games for Chelsea as well. And I said he's been, you know, turning up for Chelsea in key moments. And I guess, obviously, we've talked about... With Rom, obviously, with, you know, again, we talk about, you know, leaving Roman, sort of leaving Chelsea debt-free, et cetera, and kind of the new ownership just taking over. They might feel there's not actually a pressure, you know, to, for Rom to be a success here and, to, you know, make a loss on on Lukaku because obviously they didn't sign him type thing. So there's also maybe potential that Romelu Lukaku's future is, you know, there is less a less need or less patience or desire for to make this move a success. So, again, we'll have to see, but... The ultimate stuff, and we've got we got Norwich, you know, coming up midweek. And I said I wouldn't, gen, you know, given you know you don't want to tempt fate, but given you know how Norwich are looking, you know, their kind of their general direction of travel at the moment, you'd like to think Chelsea should be able to, to beat Norwich fairly comfortably with or without uh, Lukaku on the pitch. So that'd be an interesting one to see. But look, also I said last week on the pod, I think with Jack, I think Kai will be someone we see more in Europe 
And I think Ron will see more of a prem. Obviously, you know, Ron, we didn't see today. Uh, so that's going to be one we have to, to wait and see. But given how we played in Europe and given how success with Tuchel has basically been without a, a striker, even the batter are probably arguably our two best performances in the groups in the Champions League this year, that Juventus 4-0 and the Lille 2-0 first leg result, both without a number nine. So it will be interesting to see. And uh, yeah, Rom's Rom's future is, is perhaps uncertain, but at the same time, you know, with Chelsea and with Kai, you know, we've just got to hope that this consistency keeps up because if if we he reverts back to to you know being inconsistent, then we'll see Rom starting again and this whole conversation about you know prioritizing Kai's the nine will kind of become rendered moot. But for the time being, with the form he's in, then yeah, I'd say give Kai a, a run on the side. Uh, as the number nine. Uh, next question comes in from Maria. From uh, from Maria. Thoughts on the tactical change from Tuchel? Is the midfield free the way to go? Because obviously, Jam, you know, in the second half, we did sort of see Mason, you know, playing deeper. And we did win 4-0. The only caveat I say to this is, I feel Reese James' goal of the second half changes the, di- the direction and the dynamic of that game so much. Because I've seen, you know, a lot of people saying after the game that, well, we play Mason in his favourite position, we score four goals. And I feel that's a bit simplistic looking at it purely because, you know, without that Reese James moment of brilliance, one, I don't think, you know, Burnley's, you know, heads don't, you know, crumble like they didn't. I actually, I was kind of surprised just how, you know, this resolute Burnley side that had been under Sean Dyche, just how quickly, how how easily they crumbled in that second half. Obviously, as we mentioned, you can see three goals in 10 minutes. Um, and as obviously well as that, I did feel, you know, while obviously Mason was a lot better in that, you know, midfield three than he was in the first half. Obviously, I think he had, a, just actually had a lot more touches you know, when we have that change, it still felt that he was still pretty quiet in comparison to to a lot of lot of the other players. And again, the midfield three, you know, it, I guess it's a tough one because Chelsea have still had a lot of success playing the three at the back. You know, obviously we only have to look at that. You know, said that that Lille game and again that Liverpool game for how many chances we created. And so, is it more maybe just you know maybe the three maybe putting drop dropping Mason into midfield. Is maybe or is maybe a route to go against maybe teams that will basically just essentially park the bus and play a low block against us? Maybe that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I think when we are going to have the lion's share of possession like today, then we we need to you know that's that's an option we can consider. That's fine because yeah, today Mace, 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 it's very quiet, very quiet, and uh, yeah, you could say maybe he's not an attacker, but. He was not getting involved compared to the other two. He, he just wasn't getting involved up front. Um, now, you could also say that Reese's goal came about because he wasn't in that space. It gave him more space. Um, but, yeah, I think you're more, you're right in what you're saying is that actually the, the game flipped because we scored that goal so quickly. So it's a moment of brilliance rather than the tactical change, in my opinion. Um but then you could say that maybe going forward from then onwards, it, it, it did help that he was getting more involved from a deeper position. Um, I think you're right as well. We, we we can't disrespect this formation and what we've done with it. We shouldn't we shouldn't do that because actually, um, I think if you're if you're going to start to look at permanently changing the formation, I, I always say such a drastic change needs to be done in the preseason. You can't just suddenly switch in the middle of the season, expect it to work. It's a gamble. It could, but it's a gamble. And I don't think we need to do that considering where we are and considering the form we're on. So I think we have to respect this. And unfortunately, I will say this as much as I love the guy, but I would rather drop Mount than change the formation just to fit him in the team. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not running on that. 
that vibe yet. You know, I, I think this formation is very good for us and he has to get his form back to get back in the team. I'd rather do that. We don't need to change. I'm not saying that it's been suggested for that reason, but we don't need to change formation to fit a player in. No, not the way things are going, in my opinion. Yeah, no, exactly. And you just say, you know, it's going to be, I think it's a decent option to have in-game, as he said, about three of the back created enough chances against Lille and against Liverpool. We created enough to win that game while also, you know, maintaining relative solidity as well. And I said against, you know, it, it worked today against Burnley and it was, you know, that changed second half. And there will be obviously other times in games said we have played, you know, it obviously we still had the three of the back while that was going on. And we have shown, you know, a different, you know, flexibility at times. Obviously, we played a four against Spurs and Conte successfully, you know, in the league and, and the Carabao Cup and beat them comfortably. Um, but it's also, you know, shown when we played four four at the back against Brighton away, it didn't work. And it's one of those, like, it, you know, these these tweaks in time, they do work. But I don't think, I think we've got to be careful after, you know, one game to necessarily go, let's make this a permanent thing. Because as I said, you know, we for me, we'd have to see a lot more evidence of, of you know, this going forward to, to maybe consider, you know, playing sort of a midfield free and maybe, you know, playing certain players a bit deeper going forward because, you know, as I said, this this free of the back has brought us still a lot of success and, you know, the free up top as well has brought us um, a lot of success as well. So and I think it's one of those where we've just got to, you know, kind of kind of wait to see really before we go and I said, you know, we'll, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what happens against Norwich if we see, you know, you know, because similar, you know, uh, lineup to, I guess, for one, but, you know, is that second half lineup or if we kind of see, you know, once in the, uh, you know, the same one besides there, if, even if I said earlier, if Rom comes in for that game instead of Mount, who has, you know, unfortunately just not been quite the levels for, for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, no, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, the tactical change was good. It worked today and it was nice. And it's certainly a good in-game option to consider. But I don't think it's necessary. I don't think a midfield free is a way to go just yet. And as I said, we also come back early in the season, obviously not quite the same midfield, but we saw a midfield free against City after a midfield free work brilliant against Spurs. Uh, we continued that for the next game against City and it didn't work. So again, I think it will just be, again, it's just one of those game and opponent dependent. There will be times where it works, but obviously others not, and it's not something that should be a permanent thing, but a decent in-game option. The final question comes in from RJ. Keen to hear you speak on the effects the external noise would have had on the players, Tuchel, Petter, Neil Bath and co. Because, um, Jam, as I said, you know, we can't talk about earlier, like, these guys are professionals. They've got, you know, their jobs to do. But it's not been an easy week. You know, it can't have been, you know, an easy week you know, for Chelsea, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of talk of which, you know, which members of staff will, you know, Roman stuff will like leave, you know, will Marina come, will Marina stay, will she go, etc. cetera. Uh, I guess with, with Tuchel, I guess the, the biggest challenge for him is basically facing questions from the media that are not his job to answer, I guess. Um, but how do you kind of like, what do you think like the effect would have been on like the likes of Tuchel, Petter, uh, and Neil Barth, Neil Barth, you know, head of, you know, sort of the Youth Academy type thing. And maybe, you know, slight slight concerns at Roman, who who was sort of, you know, has been a big, you know, in, that has been desperate to see the Youth Academy uh, succeed. So just your kind of thoughts on, you know, how it would have affected the players and all those sort of members of staff? Yeah, I think one thing to remember is that these are human beings and the way that we got affected as fans, they'll probably get affected to, to an extent. So this is their job. This is their employer. <laughs> you know, you, there's no way you could say there's going to be a zero effect from this because this is their employer. They would have had the thoughts of, oh, what happens if this happens? What happens to me if this happens? Do you know what I mean? Those thoughts would have gone through their head. That's distracting enough. Also, then you've got the morality side of things. I won't go into too much, but, you know, we've all had debates, the media having debates, fans are having debates about what's right, what's wrong, what happened, who's done what. 
what should happen because of that, you know, the morality side of things. And they've probably had those thoughts of, oh my God, like, you know, what have, have I, am I playing a part in this? What's going on in the world right now? Is, is this club playing a part in that? So, you know, th- these are, these are not things that you could just brush under the carpet. I think being a professional, yes, they're, they're going to have to try their absolute best to be their normal selves. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I do think it's had an effect, especially when it's just constant noise, constantly in the media. Like you said, Tuchel being asked these questions, he's going to be preparing for interviews thinking, what if they ask me this? Oh, he has to look at updates of what's going on and then think, okay, that's distracting me from the tactics. Do you know what I mean? Like he's got a lot to, to manage in his head, but he's done really well. He's done so well. He looks the same. So composed. Absolutely love the guy. He's absolutely brilliant. Came out and quashed it and said, look, I'm going to be at Chelsea, whatever happens. I think that that is a really, really powerful message. I think Marina, it's tough because obviously she she's very close to Roman um, and uh, she's half Russian. So, you know, um, it's 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 tricky. Um, it's very tricky for her. I think to say it wouldn't have had an effect on her is nonsense. She's probably had the, the biggest effect. And I think Czech, Neil Bath, of course, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be just tricky situations again. Um makes your job a lot harder. But they are professionals. I think so far so good. They've handled it the right way. I I, I can't say a bad word about anyone. I think they've done really well. So, you know, uh Good luck to them. Hopefully, this thing sorts itself out sooner rather than later. I think the longer it drags on, it's just a, it's it's just more hell for people because it is very stressful. Um, but they've done well. I, I think I don't think they're showing the effects of it, but I do think it has had an effect on the players and the staff definitely. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, Thomas Tuchel, if he's getting asked, you know, multiple press conferences, you know, literally, you you kind of did see him, you know, not snap, but you kind of saw it in one show from about before time they asked goes, look, I'm not. I'm not the guy, you know, I've given you an answer. I can't keep repeating. I don't know, etc. So no, look, but credit to him, they've handled it very well. And I think in general, Thomas Tuchel, he's faced a lot since he's come in as Chelsea manager. You know, he's he had to replace Frank. He had to deal with all that lot. He had to deal with the Super League. He had to deal with what's going on now. He has faced a lot and he's just dealt with it incredibly. incredibly. And then final part of our discussion, which players are you looking at to carry us through to the end of the season? Because again, Jan, this is, this, this is quite a tough one, but you'd say maybe... You know, looking at it, Silva will just, you know, you'd like to think will be, you know, Mr. Solid Reliable back. Same with Eddie Mendy. I uh, hope you'd like to think Reese James coming back now. That'll be, you know, him. Because again, we just look, you see Reese James start a game for us. He looks, you know, kind of back to it. And we did look, you know, a threat. And we score goals with him back in the side. Uh, but I guess maybe kind of just looking at, at, at Kai and Pudi as well. Maybe hoping Rom just, you know, can find some form as well. Just look, guess looking at, at those guys in general, maybe at the moment. Yeah, I think you've hit all the the players I wanted to say is the 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 real standout ones, Eddie Mendy, uh Thiago Silva, Rudiger. Um I'd add Kovacic to that. Um yeah, yeah hopefully Pulisic, definitely Havertz, and hopefully Mount. Hopefully James, obviously, well, James will be, but hopefully Mount can rediscover his form and for the business end of the season and really start doing bits again. A bit like the December he had, which was unreal. He needs to get back to that. Um, so other than that, I mean, I'd probably add Aspi because I think every time he plays, it's a very similar sort of level of performance other than the start of the season when he struggled with fitness. Ever since he got it, he's been decent. He's been decent. He's been solid and reliable. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think actually, you know, in our squad, we've we've got a lot of players that that will come in and do a job, and I'm 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 happy with them. So, um, I look to Kai Havertz as the one to really, if I was to name one out of the lot, Kai Havertz, go and get us some goals, mate. Go and get us some goals. Go and get another ten goals this season, minimum. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. I, I want to see that. I think he can do it too, and I I, I want him to go off on a long summer break and just know that he's unlocked himself. Do you know what I mean? He comes into next season fresh and hungry um, and he's ready to set that bar. That's what I want to see. Yeah, no, I said I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll say, I will say Kai, look, I think that now we'll put him on to, to four Premier League goals, um, which, you know, again, we look at it, the stats isn't isn't great. And I'd say, you know, I'd like to see Kai, you know, get to, to maybe, if Kai could get, you know, say, score six more Premier League goals, given who we've, you know, some of our opponents coming up in recent weeks. Uh, if he could get to say four Premier League goals, uh, so he's gone four Premier League goals so far in eighteen appearances. If he could get you know six more in the next however many games he plays, it is game dependent. But you'd like to see if he could get into into double figures, and you know that would be you know a positive start you know sign for him again. Obviously, if he can improve increase last year's goal tally as well, that would be great as well. He's he's got four from last year, so he's equaled last year's Premier League goal tally. So again, you know there'll be some signs of progress there. Uh, and then said Pulisic has got four goals in 14 games in Premier League for us this year. Um, again, if I mean, Pulisic, you know, given how he is rotated out, but if he could, you know, get a few more as well, he could maybe get close to double figures. Because again, we kind of talk a lot about, you know, you've got City players in double figures, you've got Liverpool attackers in double figures, Chelsea need, you know, attackers getting sort of around those numbers. So if our attack, you know, from, from now on to the end of the season can really just, you know, fire a bit and get us some goals, we can have basically just some more, you know, some game, some more comfortable wins like we had today against Burnley. Obviously, maybe try to have a better first half performance. But in general, if we can just have some, you know, because given who we've got, we've look, we've got Norwich, you know, coming up again, won't be easier to wear at Carrow Road. They're kind of fighting for their lives, but they are struggling at the moment. Newcastle at home is now looking quite a tough game. They're in, you know, a really good run of form. Um, but, you know, Newcastle, we've got Brentford coming up. Uh, Brentford did win today to send, end, sort of end their horrible run of form, but they're still not out of it. You just look at some of the games we've got left, you would like to think that there'll be a chance to, to give, basically just give some sides you know, hammer, a hammering and just for a lot of our players, you know, just, just show what they're really capable of uh, and basically just get some goals and just, you know, give us some optimism sort of going into into next season. Because the Premier League is, is basically, you know, almost done and dusted for us, really. It's sort of just a case of just being professional enough to, to get top four done because the league is realistically gone. So if we can get top four done, while also, you know, getting players just basically just improving their goal tallies and, you know, giving us giving us reasons to be confident that they can do a job for us, you know, next season, then that's that's the main thing. So I'd say, yeah, basically, I'm looking at that attack to any of those attackers, really, to to carry us forward now. Because, say, the defence has been reliable all season. 18 goals we've conceded in the Premier League all season, which just shows, you know, the quality of the defence, the job they've done, etc. So if, if they can, you know, they'll you'd like to think they'll keep that up. I say if Chelsea can, you know... Keep up, keep those sort of numbers up. We've got, say, we've got, uh, I think about, yeah, twelve games left, and we've conceded eighteen goals. So again, you'd like to think if Chelsea could maybe keep the goals conceded down to under thirty, which is again, you know, a goal a game, that'd be quite nice. You know, that'd probably be one of our best defensive returns for, for a little bit. Um, so, just basically, just seeing, you know, general, general sort of improvement, just leaving us in a healthy place going into next season really but that is going to wrap up this week of that Chelsea podcast jam before we go why don't you give people one last plug where they can find you and all your work for Chelsea Social yes mate thanks for that it's been good fun tonight as always um so people you can find me on at carefree underscore jam on Twitter Instagram and TikTok 
Um, I'm also one of the co-owners, as I said before, of the Chelsea Social. So that's at the Chelsea Social on Twitter and Instagram and the uh, CFCW Social as well. So that's at the CFCW Social on Twitter and Instagram too. Yeah, make sure you check out all Jam's links below. He is a top, top guy and top, top content creator and hopefully some exciting things for him around the corner. As for us, we're on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod on TikTok at that Chelsea Pod. Going to try and post uh, some more content on there for you guys. Maybe I say some different ish style content uh, to what you get on the pod on Twitter say, or TikTok. You can kind of just play around with it a little bit more and just have maybe uh, some more fun with it. And I said, yeah, on your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. On Apple, if you want to leave us a review, that's great. On Spotify, you can rate our show now as well. That's brilliant. Just you know, share the show around, play it to basically anyone with a functioning pair of ears, please. And uh, yeah, until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.